I met my best friend Anne in 1985. And the Babysitter's Club kept her friendship alive. Then Emily was born in 1988. And she said, Thanks, Aunt Esme. These books are great. Now we're all grown up and we're living our dreams. As a writer and a scholar and an expert on teens. And we're gonna start again from the very first book because we're stuck. Welcome to Stuck in Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. Today we're discussing Book 40, Claudia and the Middle School Mystery. What a mystery, guys. (laughs) Did I make it sound really spooky? This is another one where I'm like, the title is incorrect. (laughs) I I agree. Right, there's no mystery. There's no mystery ever. Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah. So our one sentence summaries... Mine is similar to what we just referenced, which is the title of this book should be called Why Won't Shauna Admit Guilt? Mm, That's good. (laughs) Very nice. Uh, I was just going to say it's not really in keeping with the style of Babysitter's Club books titles, but I think it's apt (laughs) nonetheless. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mine is Claudia studies hard, aces a test, and then gets accused of cheating. Oh, very straightforward. Yeah. That's literally what happens in this book. Yeah. Mine is Claudia gets accused of cheating and Emily is reminded of yet another reason grading sucks. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I actually yeah. thought of you, Emily, as I was <laughs> Thank reading Thank you. This. I think. <laughs> I just feel she like- thought of you because you remind her so much of Shauna Riverson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, no. I just feel like it's really difficult to grade things. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. awful. But I did used to let everyone cheat off me in middle school and high school. I was like, whatever. I know the answers. I don't care. Wow. Fair. Is that like a socialist yeah. thing? Yeah, 100%. My history cool. teacher, who was really active in the teachers' union and who used to give me bad grades because my mom didn't show up to union meetings, everyone used to think she was a socialist, but really she was not because she would get very angry when she would watch me watch other people cheating off of my tests. And I was like, well, I thought you're you're supposed to be like the communist. This is why everyone hates you. It was a weird time. Wait, is that a true anyway, story? <laughs> yes, it's a true story. I'll tell you more about it later. <laughs> You guys, we should probably back up and tell you about the members of the podcast. (laughs) Oh, I'm Emily Crandall, a feminist scholar. I'm a total individual and I like health food. Wow, you really rushed through that this time. I'm Anna Chikala, a freelance writer. I'm a mischievous pragmatist with a sweet tooth. And I'm Esme Schaller, an adolescent psychologist. I'm kind of bossy, but I have a big heart. If you want to learn more about us and how we know each other, you can check out our prologue episode. Also, please rate and view us. It really helps other people find the podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or commentary about anything BSC-related, you can drop us a line at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash stuckinstonybrook. You get a bunch of fun bonus content there. We just recorded a hot take episode about the original Parent Trap, which is 60 years young this month. Can you believe it's been 60 years? Not that any of us were alive, but that movie... It's so fresh. It doesn't feel 60 years old to me. Uh... Um, <laughs> listen to our hot take. <laughs> we also have one new patron to give a pizza toast to, and that is Christina. So thank you for joining up, Christina. You're the best. Thanks, Christina. I wish everyone could have seen the like jazz hands as we did when she said Patreon. <laughs> oh, my God. I totally was going to reference that too, Emily. <laughs> You have to really put your body into it if you want to, you know, sell sell the products. 
Maybe gals. for uh, some Patreon content one of these days, we should record video of one of our sessions and share that with our our patrons. I think that yeah, we could we could do that. Would sometime. be embarrassing but fun. <laughs> yes, yeah. we could yeah. see our 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 beautiful home studios. Yep, all of our blankets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we have some reader letters. Ooh. Do I get some jazz hands over here? You have to do the jazz hands. You're uh, the one that's speaking. It makes your speaking voice sound more exciting. Reader letters. <laughs> it worked. So, it worked. So this letter is from Jamie. She writes to say, hi, I'm only a couple episodes into the podcast, but I had to write in to say you are spot on with your assessment of We Are the World as a cultural moment. As a six-year-old in 1985, this was everywhere. I really don't believe we could have had this moment today. Pop music and culture at large is too fragmented. Not that I especially enjoyed this moment. It is inextricably blended with hands across the America, which also had a song. And a day <laughs> where people held hands in parking lots and shit. My mom was into this moment and made us go to some random spot to hold hands with strangers. My stranger was a sweaty, mustachioed adult man in the short, short athletic shorts of all time. I can still remember how uncomfortable I was. Oh, geez. It was a defining moment of my character and probably why I identify more with Gen X than millennials. Picture baby Daria just super not into participation. <laughs> this is an excellent letter. Yeah. yeah. Not, hi, hi, like, excellent work, Jamie. Keep going. <laughs> not even to feed people or whatever we were raising money for. Then I went home and watched Punky Brewster's Just Say No campaign crossover episode. What a time. <laughs> wow. I mean, I feel bad she had to hold hands with this guy. Yeah. yeah. You didn't finish her letter. Oh, thank you for your analysis, podcasters. Definitely my favorite BSC podcast so far. I love you so, so much. I want to be best friends with all of you. Okay. Now you're just <laughs> embellishing. <laughs> <laughs> and Jamie, meet Anne. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Jamie, Jamie, Anne. Uh, yeah, well, if she's six and 85, she's just a year younger than us. I mean, that's you're, yeah. you don't need to just identify with Gen X, Jamie. You're decidedly Gen X. It goes at mm -hmm. least to 80s. Lots of places say 81. So you're with us. We get it. I, I felt this letter on a deep level. Amazing. Amazing. It also reminds me that that boomers also felt this cultural moment, like boomers like probably your mom and like Emily's mom, who who sent us a text after the We Are the World episode. She sure did. <laughs> Telling us that she was crying watching video of it on YouTube. So Wait, we come what? by it honestly on our side of the family. <laughs> As we screenshotted it to our group text. You saw this, Anne, and you, you had the same reaction. Reacted you reacted like, to it. What? She's crying. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I'm consistent. Uh -huh. Nothing if not, Anne. Practical Anne. Consistent Anne. <laughs> All right. And one more letter from Jill, which reads, Hi, my name is Jill. I'm sensitive and kind of shy, and I love cats. Excellent. I have binge listened to every episode of the podcast since Bloom Sulin first mentioned it. Babysitter's Club was my jam back in the day, and I have longed for the very thoughtful discussions that you all have about it. I relate to all of you in different ways. I am a master's level social worker, outpatient therapist, and I work primarily with kids and families. My bachelor's degree was in creative writing with a minor in women's studies. So clearly you three are my people. Absolutely. Oh, that's that's like, like a combined Esme, Emily, and That's the center of the Venn diagram. Yeah. <laughs> my nostalgia for the BSC, while always present, has generally been tinged with irony and self-deprecation. Maybe the series, ju series jumped the shark as it went on. 
I look forward to your thoughts on whether the quality declines in the later books. In any case, your podcast has made me think about the books and what they really meant to me growing up. I feel like I've gained a new adult educated perspective on them. And now I get to share them with my eight-year-old daughter, which makes them even better. A couple of brief things I wanted to share based on your discussions. My family does not currently have a silverware sorter. We did at our what? old place, but the kitchen drawers in our home now are weirdly narrow, and I have not found one that fits. We just toss silverware in and make the best of it. Wow. I, I mean, I we did ask to hear from people who I don't know. have them. <laughs> and Jill, Jill does not seem like a sociopath based on the rest of the letter. No. Okay. Um, second, I placed second at my school in Invent America in fourth grade. My invention was called Tattletail Remote. It was a long braided string with a bell that attached to a TV remote to keep it from getting lost. This is incredible. <laughs> Thanks again for the pod. Love, Jill. Okay. My mom used to do this thing where she would put the TV remote on top of the TV. Mm. And then we would already be sitting on the couch. And then it mm. was just like a stalemate to who would get up and get the remote. And so we would just never watch TV and we would yell mom until she came into the room. And then we'd be like, give us the remote brats. A hundred percent. I don't like to get up and get things for myself. So, but if you had a tattletale remote, the string could reach all the way from the TV to the couch. I could just pull it. Just pull on it. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's better than your toothbrush, Anne. Yeah. Sorry, Anne. <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> Okay, I have one more little game before we dive into the book that we were going to play last week, but we ran out of time. So I found this eBay listing for the baby, the 1990 Babysitter's Fan Club materials. So I, I had this. Did you order it too, Anne? I think you might have had it too, that we ordered from the back of the book. It's the poster. We've posted the poster on our Instagram that looks like a cork board with pictures of the girls on it and the quotes from readers. Um, and it had a little hanger for your door that says like, do not disturb. I'm reading the babysitter's club. And then like a plastic bag with the babysitter's club logo and a few other pieces of paper, like a bookmark. Like it's all paper. Okay. Do you think that and today that would be a tote bag? Probably. Okay. Yes. Um, it's plastic, like one of those plastic bags with like hard plastic handles. Oh, that click. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think? And this is interesting because I was going to ask you all last week. It is still on eBay. There has been a price drop. <laughs> So what do you think someone was trying to sell this plastic bag of pieces of paper for last week with a newsletter and a poster and some, oh, there's some stickers too. And what do you think they're now, now trying to sell it for? Is this Price is Right rules? Yes, Price is Right rules. You get two guesses, one for the previous price and one for the newer reduced price. I don't know. My instinct is to guess something that's really, really stupid. But if it's Price is Right, that means I run the risk of automatically losing. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Initial price, $275. Okay. Reduced price, 200 Okay. You, do, you did not lose. You're still in the running. Oh, oh man. I yeah. wanted to guess way higher. Okay. But you do, I feel like you just gave me a clue, though. Oh, yeah. No. The, the only clue is that she didn't go over. Right. Okay. But so I could say, but then I could just do a dollar more than what she just said. And when, which is what they yeah. do on the prices, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I just meant the if you go over, you lose rule, not the if you, I no, you got to okay. be closer than that if that's how you're going to play it. Okay. Well, okay. I'll guess $299. Okay. And then I, I'm going to say she dropped it to 125 I'm going to let you both guess again because you're way low on both guesses. Okay. Originally, I wanted to guess $500. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. For the first and still way low. What? Okay, a thousand. A, a thousand. A thousand. Okay. Fifteen hundred dollars. The original price was two thousand dollars. What? <laughs> two thousand dollars. Wait, do you have it um, up? Because I would like to. Yeah. Is there like a a description that makes uh, it sound? Yeah. No, it's the des- the description is not even accurate. It says like a new unused book. It's like they didn't even bother. Oh, no. Okay. Rare 1990 Babysitter's Club member kit. Complete volume one, number one, new. Condition is brand new. Shipped with UP- USPS media mail. That's it. That's all they say. Okay. What did it drop Do you... to? Do you have a new guess of what it dropped to, given that it was 2000 1000 Yeah. Emily's second top guess was exactly right. It was $500 now. Oh, okay. 500 Anyway, tell us your, this, maybe this will be a recurring segment, preposterous e- B- BSE eBay finds. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we really need to go over the plot of this book because we basically did in our one sentence summaries. It's a, it's a simple plot. Very simple. Yeah. I mean, I just was so perturbed reading this. I was like, oh God, I, cheating sucks, but I just keep thinking, I just kept thinking about how difficult it is to handle in my case generally because I don't give exams I normally assign papers and stuff like that it's just like dealing with plagiarism left and right Mm -hmm. and like we have you know technology to catch a lot of that now but it's the procedures are so awful and it's just like this total demoralizing thing it's done really dealt with really bureaucratically and administratively there's very I mean you can you have the option right as an instructor to kind of deal with it in-house, but you run the risk of getting in trouble, right? Like if a student pushes back against something and you haven't gone through the, you know, the, the proper the channels, proper channels right. in place, then like, especially as an adjunct, your security is kind of at risk there. And I was thinking about like how much more difficult that would have been to deal with before you had things like turnitin.com that were auto mm-hmm. plagiarism checkers. And like, I don't know, like in this case, it's just Claudia's word against Shauna's, right? Like there's mm-hmm. the only, and the evidence is pretty clear, right? Like the, both, even Stacy, the math whiz, <laughs> knows that like mm-hmm. the odds of of these two students missing the same three questions in the same exact way is basically zero. And so, mm-hmm. like, it's obvious that cheating happened, but that's the only evidence that exists. And so, like, Claudia right. gets accused because she's a bad student, which is so fucked up. And I was just thinking about how, like, you know, I teach in political science and women and gender studies, and I teach. At both of the campuses in CUNY that I teach at, most of the classes I teach are what's called writing intensive, which means that there's an expectation that you assign a certain number of pages for them to write a semester. But also it's part of this thing called um, writing across the curriculum, which is this pedagogical philosophy that's about like writing as a technique for learning, not just at this sort of punitive evaluative phenomena. But Mm -hmm. there's not really an expectation that we teach writing. We're supposed to be teaching our subjects, right? I'm supposed to be teaching political science to people who I'm presuming are going to go on and become political scientists. But then a huge part of my job is evaluating writing. And so a lot of times like plagiarism or, or cheating or whatever happens because people are exhausted. They're tired. They haven't learned how to properly cite things and so it's not like this malicious shauna like oh i'm gonna cheat off claudia because no one's ever gonna believe she could get an a on the test but i overheard marianne saying her genius sister is tutoring her i mean it's like calculated what shauna does oh yeah it's fucked up busy with i'm too busy with pep squad and getting perms yeah well (laughs) i think that's her friend who's getting perms she's like doing something else but whatever yeah same shit she's like oh 
Claudia could, no one's going to believe that Claudia gets an A, but I know I have the secret intel that she's been being tutored by her genius sister. So like, I'm going to plan to cheat off her instead of doing any studying, knowing that if I get caught, she can be the scapegoat. Like I was like, that's fucking, that's wild for a 13 year old to be like, uh, maybe maybe that's developmentally appropriate. <laughs> you could you could talk about that as me. <laughs> okay. um, yeah. It's also just risky. Like, forget about development for a second. Just like, if you know that Claudia usually gets bad grades, why are you taking Marianne's word that Janine is going to perform some kind of miracle? Yeah, I don't know. And but I I mean I think they're kind of hearkening back to some of our discussions about good kids and bad kids you know we had this mm-hmm. last week with Megan and Marissa but also we've talked about before in like the Cookie Mason plots that like I feel like this book does less of the thing of painting Shauna as like a bad kid and more like it does try to humanize her a little bit right like she's stretched really thin the girls don't have time for the way that she's stretched thin. they're like oh how sad you're super popular and busy and involved like we don't we don't really care, but I think it, it does a better job than normal with the villains of like giving us a little insight into like why cheating actually happens, which I think is actually a really important like conversation to be having, right? Like most cheating is not done out of laziness or maliciousness. It's done out of desperation or like exhaustion or, or, or ton, tons of other mitigating factors, right? right? Like not good access to the resources required for kids to catch up when you're in a giant class of people with like a totally wide range of different learning abilities like there's a ton of reasons why people cheat that have nothing to do with like being a bad person (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so i i think in that sense this book dealt a little bit better with shauna as kind of like a villain than than we've seen in the past but i think still i was like oh god that it was really cringy to have the teacher just be like well claudia you don't get good Mm -hmm. grades it must be you yeah i i wasn't into that mr actually i almost called him mr zazzy yeah (laughs) Me too. The whole time we had a chemistry teacher at our high school named Mr. Zazzy. Amazing. <laughs> the teacher in this book is Mr. Zorzi, but I kept reading Zazzy also. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was very unfair of him. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what I didn't get. I, I mean, I guess he's a short-term sub, but it would have been very easy to then say, both of you show up after school today. I'm going to give you another exam on opposite sides of the classroom. So easy. We'll so fair. Yeah. And absolves him of any, like, complicity in or culpability in, like, doing exactly what he did, accusing somebody who didn't do anything, right? Which is, like, not something you're supposed to do as a, as a well, teacher. <laughs> and they're, they're both in remedial math. It's not like Shauna's a genius. Right. Well, she's know, a, Not that geniuses can't cheat, but Yes, also... but she's very good in English, recall, and Claudia is not. So that explains why Claudia is obviously the cheater in math. Yes. Our, our English <laughs> abilities and our math abilities definitely always correlate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, Anne? You're yes. a professional writer and you're fantastic at math. Yeah. I actually had to have a math tutor in high school, by the way. And yeah. it was very, it was very, I, I wish uh, Anna Martin would go into what makes math difficult for Claudia. Because I know, I think like when I had a tutor, I discovered why I didn't understand math. Mm-hmm. which is I ask too many questions and it's like, I have to understand the entire thing to get to the details. I can't go the other way. Mm. Um, and I, cause I would be like, well, why, like who thought of this? And she was just like, well, it just is like, this is the way it is. But like, if I didn't understand everything about everything, I couldn't, it didn't make, it didn't click in my head. 
Sounds like you didn't have very good math teachers. I mean, that's totally possible. I was very good at like trig and geometry because those mm-hmm. things make sense. Like I, you can see it and it's like it makes sense. But mm-hmm. when things started to get more abstract, I was like, I don't know. This doesn't make sense to me. Help. Yeah. Help me. Help yeah. Me. I did think, I don't know. What did you think about the club's sort of criticisms of Shauna and her crew, though, Emily? Because those seemed pretty heavily dipped in, like, internalized sexism and misogyny. To totally. Me. I mean, I, yeah. that's why I said it's, like, slightly better than some of the other kind of yeah. vilifications, <laughs> but it certainly doesn't succeed, right? Like, it doesn't give us a a really kind of, you know, sensitive or generous analysis of, like, why people might do that. And the girls have no time for Shauna's excuses, right? They're like, whatever, you're popular, who cares? Like, you don't get to, you don't get to be overwhelmed, which is, I think, really unfair. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, in chapter 10, Christy said, is that, is that all she ever does? Shop and get perms about Shauna's friend. Mm -hmm. And there's a few different, there's a few different kind of throwing shade moments it's interesting too like marianne's the one who stops the gossip because she doesn't like it but she's also the first one to be like well claudia did you do it you know Mm -hmm. and i think that's a really a kind of interesting multi-dimensionality to marianne that we don't often get from other girls narration i think we get it when marianne's narrating but we don't often Mm -hmm. see other girls like books told from other girls perspectives kind of giving marianne that like depth or multidimensionality mm-hmm. um so i kind of liked that she did that well yeah and it was a really interesting move right that because she didn't say did you do it she said if you so did you know, if you yeah. did we're still on your side which is a really nuanced thing that of course christy just gets mad and is like how could you marianne like don't worry you accusing claudia which was right of course not at all marianne's intent mm-hmm. um but i thought that was an interesting nuanced piece for Ellen Miles to stick in there. This is another Ellen Miles joint, mm. everybody. She, um, so she also likes a, um, you know, stereotype popular villain because mm-hmm. she gives gave us our last two Cokie Mason books too. Did you notice that at one point in this book, they refer to Cokie Mason as Cokie Gray? I did not notice that in this book, but I did notice it in a different book, actually. What That's it, weird. Yeah. Does she have two last names? No, I think they just stuck together Ellen Gray and Cokie Mason accidentally. Oh. <gasps> Interesting. Were they? Is that both in? Or does that happen in ghostwritten books specifically? I think so. Huh. Yeah. Copy editing fail. Well, that makes me think of like the conversation we had with Robin about what the ghostwriters got, right? Like, what was their packet mm-hmm. of, of stuff, and if it's just like plug and play, you know, villains mm-hmm. or whatever, like how easy that would be to get mixed up. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I. It was difficult for me to read this because I was just thinking about all the things that are hard about grading when you're working with kids who have very little support and, you know, not even access to resources and how that is all way messier usually than I than it appears at first brush. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So do you have to check, like run all papers through that thing? I'm not required to, but. It's it's easier, frankly, because yeah, right. If I don't, and I notice right that there's a chunk of writing in a piece that isn't in keeping with the student's voice or whatever, then and I don't run it through, then I have to say I think that you plagiarized this, 
and have a conversation about mm-hmm. it. Whereas if I run it through the thing, it generates a report. It shows which percentage, um, you know, tracks with other papers that have been submitted, other, um, you know, sources on the internet and highlights exactly which parts. So there's often like a normal, what they call, it's called an originality report on Turnitin and like a normal percentage to come back is like 12 to 15 because you have a lot of students citing the same stuff, right? If they're all citing, mm-hmm. um, what the text that you've assigned and they're all quoting from the text, then like the quotes right. show up, they get highlighted, but you can see easily just from a quick glance, like that, that they're not you passing those words off as their own, right. that they're, they're citing, that citing it. Yeah. Yeah. So to have the report is helpful because you don't have to have that the thing that happens with the teacher and Claudia, which is that I think you did this, but I don't have proof. And then I'm going to punish you accordingly. So to have the report just means mm-hmm. like, I mean, and honestly, like usually what I would do is say your originality report came back like this. Like, do you want to redo the paper? Or do you want to take an F or like, or we can pass this on to administration. And generally they, mm-hmm. I mean, they either take the F or they ask to redo it. I've I have I had both. You know, students take both options. So, wow. Ugh, God, I'm glad I'm I don't get school. paid enough to do this job. No. This is also the thing. <laughs> no, no, you don't. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, uh, that was a bummer. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, As me, a lot of things suck. Uh, let's. Let's let's talk. Well, let's let's move away from Claude for a minute. I want to talk about the triplets subplot in this book. Mm. Um, so the triplets are outside. I think Jesse's babysitting. No, Stacy's babysitting, and they're playing baseball in the yard. And they break the basement window. And apparently, Mrs. Pike says this is the like fourth window they've broken in three months. <laughs> in, in three months, <laughs> which you know they're having some fun. And so she wants to know who broke the window, but they've recently watched the Three Musketeers. And so they've decided they're all for one, one for all, and they're not going to narc on each other. But wait, didn't the girls who were cheerleading for Christie's Crushers dress up as the Three Musketeers for the like... No, that was the Three Stooges. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) God, I can't keep track. Carry on. Speaking of the Three Stooges, though, we did get another reader comment from uh, Jess saying that she had a professor of feminist studies who loved the Three Stooges. So there's at least one fascinating who, who was really into it. So back to that. Okay. Um, so what do you guys think about? And so then Mrs. Pike says that they're all grounded until she finds out who did it. And... No, no phone calls, no going outside of the house, and they don't get allowance until they've paid off the broken window. I mean, okay, that seems harsh, but I feel like how else can you ground three kids that are the same age and also play together all the time? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like they can still be together in the house. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's weird. It's harsh because of the circumstance, right? Like they, they're, there are few things you could do to them that would actually amount to a punishment, I think. Because yeah. of their like proximity, I think that's fair. I, I like I'll use this opportunity to talk a little bit about punishment um, as a as a parenting tactic. So generally, um, it doesn't teach anything. It's not very good. You shouldn't use it when you can help it. You should focus on reinforcement. This will not be a surprise that I'm saying this, but punishment doesn't teach new behaviors. That's why 
the carceral state is garbage because it doesn't actually teach new behaviors, right? It only works while you're being punished. And then when you're done being punished, you go back to doing whatever behavior. And when you do need to use a punishment because there's something like super safety related or you, you really need to make a point, it is best to do kind of a lot of things at once, but for a very short period. Mm. So Mrs. Pike did a tactic, which is called a self-limiting punishment, Mm -hmm. which is basically the triplets could get out of it at any time. Once the, you know, allowance piece aside, they just say what happened and then they could get out of it, but they've decided not to because they've got this triplet honor code. That's the one exception, but otherwise punishment should be really, really short. So Mm -hmm. we often use an acronym in child psychology, T-SPOT, which stands for take everything away for a short period of time, Mm. T-E-A spot, Um, meaning, you know, 24 hours, you know, you get home really late after curfew, Emily, and you haven't called or anything like that. So, Emily. Um, And it really is, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So the idea is 24 hours, no electronics, no friends, no no going any place. And then you have a light at the end of the tunnel where you can see that you can earn privileges back. And also you don't just go, kids have so many things nowadays, right? They've got like a video game system and a computer and a phone. And like, so if you just take one thing away, it doesn't, they don't really feel it necessarily. Um, But if you do it for too long, then kids get kind of like a death row mentality, sort of like F it. Like, what's the point? I'm just going to keep breaking rules because I can't earn anything cool back Mm -hmm. um and also parents are really bad at following through on long punishments so they say like you're grounded till october and then like three days into it they're like oh this is hard whatever fine does that sound familiar dana (laughs) it's a very common problem so months she would say months and then a week later (laughs) she'd be like okay fine you can have your phone back (laughs) yeah so but she did take exactly. everything away. Okay. I didn't have as much stuff, though. Yeah. Wait, what kind of things did you get grounded for? Oh, just, like, not keep not telling her where I was. Hmm. Always. That's the thing I get in trouble for. <laughs> every time. Every single time, from the time I was very small to the time I was a teenager. I mean, Matt gets mad at me for it. It's just, like, my biggest character flaw. Wow. I just okay. – I don't know. I forget. I get sidetracked. I'm having fun, and I, I don't know. I'm, like, worried – that she's going to be mad if I tell her where I really am. So I just don't. And then I just come home and she's like, where the fuck were you? I'm like, uh, I don't want to tell you cause you're going to be mad at me. <laughs> so avoidance, classic uh-huh. Libra strategy. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Anyway. So yeah. Thank you so, for being my therapist. <laughs> yeah. Anytime, anytime. Um, so, uh, you know, so I give Mrs. Pike a, a kind of B minus on the punishment. I don't know if it was uh, a big enough infraction. I mean, you, you got, three rowdy 10-year-old boys, they're going to break some windows. Um, And given, you know, so Claudia like helps them, wait, no, Jesse, who helps them crack it with the reenactment? Mallory. It's Mallory, Mm -hmm. right. Um, Of like, show me exactly what happened. And they reenact the day of, and it turns out it was literally everybody's fault from the way they were playing, which... I mean, I sort of figured that anyway. It's not like two of them would have been sitting on the grass twiddling their thumbs and one of them just throws the ball through the window. Like, obviously, yeah. someone's hitting, someone's pitching. But um, it just it, it reminded me of a thing that happens a lot in families, which is so much is simpler when you just are honest the first time. Like, if the triplets had just said what had happened, I think Mrs. Pike would have struck a deal with them if they just apologized and said, 
yeah, we kind of all did it. Here's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were sort of stuck in their three musketeers situation. When, when uh, one of the, I don't know, I guess with Mr. and Mrs. Pike offers them, I, I forget who's narrating this point, but the, if they were, you know, precluded allowance until the window was paid for they wouldn't they'd be broke until college is i think what gets said because the pikes get so yeah. little allowance because there's so many of them uh yeah. so they have to like work it off basically yeah i was thinking about how the time i lost my retainer my dad made me work off the cost of it on the job site <laughs> oh emily's dad's a contractor mm-hmm. so like what did you have to do uh i had to like i don't know help him with finish work like I don't know, dig it, dig some stuff, like just kind of menial labor on the job site. And he was like, nice. that's a very expensive retainer that you lost. You are going to pay for this in, in work. And I was like, okay. Noted. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Do I really have to? Fantastic. <laughs> yes. Okay. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, oh, this is happening. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. I also was really interested in when Mr. Zorzi confronts Claudia and Shauna and Claudia freezes, basically. So she has this kind of classic sympathetic nervous system reaction. We often talk about fight or flight, but it's really fight, flight, or freeze. Um, and I thought it was a really good illustration of the fact that all of our behaviors are context specific. Because we've seen Claudia as a character that has a lot of chutzpah, right? She's like mm-hmm. very brave in a lot of situations. She has a lot of confidence. She'll wear her like crazy the sea outfit that she (laughs) wears later in this book. We've got a lot of good Claudia outfits in this book. I have to tip my hat to Ellen Miles for that. Um, But in this setting where she's really not very confident, and even though she felt confident about the test, she's not confident in academics generally. She's not confident speaking with teachers. She says she's not a scholar. (laughs) Yeah. Claude. Yeah. So um, it just broke my heart. And I thought that Ellen Miles actually did a really nice job writing that piece Mm. and sort of explaining why she didn't stand up for herself. Because I think Janine and even members of the BSC are like, why didn't you say something? Like, I know you knew that material. Um, And uh, she's not able to. Yeah. She's just that that wasn't a behavior that she could have performed in that context. Mm. I don't really have a follow up statement to that. (laughs) That just brought me to thinking about the Claudia and Janine stuff, which is very sweet. I cried in this book. Yeah. I cry in every Claudia book. Claudia's really heart- heartbreaking. Yeah. I <laughs> I get that. Which parts of the Claudia will say a little bit more about what happens with Janine. Um, so Janine's like tutoring Claudia, first of all, and then Janine's the first one. So the principal calls the Kishis and they call Claudia down to dinner and the parents say, We got a call from your principal. Like, do you want to tell us what happened? And Claudia tells them what happened, and the parents are like, Well, did you? And Janine's like, there's absolutely no way she knew the material forwards and backwards. Like I a hundred percent believe that Claudia didn't do it, which is like where I started crying. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she said, Claudia's not a cheater mm-hmm. or something like, like she's like, I want to know her actual words. I think that it's was very, it. Yeah. yeah. She, she was, well, she was like, I'm confident she knew it back and forth. Also, she's not a cheater. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if Ellen Miles did this on purpose, but I feel like there was a lot of um, like gift giving uh, like Claudia gave Janine the collage and her parents got her that cake at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it is keeping in true with 
my family and perhaps many other Asian families where instead of being demonstrative with your like hugs or your words, you tend to like do things for people. And like, you know, like even like Janine, like taking the time to tutor Claudia is like Mm -hmm. showing her love for her. Mm -hmm. Um, And going to school and talking to the principal saying, well, I I have an excellent relationship with the principal at Stony Brook Middle School. So I'm sure I'll straighten this all out. (laughs) Right. And how old is Janine? She's like 15. Yeah. That's like such a sweet picture of her like walking in in her little nerd outfit, like setting the record straight for Claudia. Yep. That also got me. Yeah. As we so did you good. cry? Oh, yeah. Okay. But I think that speaks to like what I was talking about earlier, right? That Janine can't just rest on, I am confident that Claudia knows the material because I watched her learn it and I know that she knows it. She has to say, Claudia is not a cheater. Like being a cheater is like a, like a personality trait or mm-hmm. like a more, a particular like moral proclivity or something and then like Mm -hmm. you know the administration comes around to the idea that maybe claudia didn't do this only after janine who's like a typically trustworthy subject who is smart and or who has the same accolades that lead them to believe that shauna wouldn't cheat until she vouches for claudia that's when they they're like oh maybe we were too hasty or maybe we have not dealt with this quite fairly True, but in defense of the administration, this is back to Claudia freezing. It's not like Claudia has given them any other information. She and the BSC are right. off on the side with their like, um, you know, heist plot to look through Shauna's locker to try to find evidence. Um, so you know, Claudia hasn't at that point. Claudia hasn't defended herself at all. It's just yeah. been Mr. Zorzi's assumption. Yeah. So he was wrong to make that assumption, but it's not like she said, "Wait, no, I know this material. I didn't do it." And they said, "No, you're a liar." Yeah, you know, that's true. She just didn't say anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that you pointed that out and the the showing care piece across the Kishis because it, it was really well done in this book. But I also I caught one more Asian American stereotype that Claudia goes against entirely toward the end of this book. Did either of you catch that? Mm-mm. She's tone deaf. She's not at all musical. She's singing to herself and she says, I'm tone deaf. I don't understand music. I can't do any of it. I sing loudly and off key. Is that an Asian American stereotype? Well, there's a stereotype of like all of the, of music and studying, you know, playing violin or playing piano oh, for many hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mother's okay, death, okay. Right? Yeah. Like, That's funny. Um, so I was yeah. like, oh, there's another one. Yeah, I'm surprised Janine doesn't play the cello. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll find out later that she does. Yeah. Just like but we Claudia, found out Claudia is a great skier. Professional. Professional. Yeah. And and good at sailing too. Yep. What 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 did you find in this book, Annie? I found funny the opening of the book is comes it's the word problem that Janine is mm-hmm. helping her with. And it's like if if Gertrude used two thirds of a cup of chocolate to make eight cookies, how much chocolate would be in each cookie? And I literally was like, How do you figure that out? i was like crap how would i do that anyway so i was like okay so i obviously should be in remedial math class but also (laughs) esme do you remember in the sixth grade when i made like the all city math team i do not i don't remember this it was a total fluke like everyone in school had to take this math test Mm-hmm. Um, and then they took the two highest grades mm-hmm. and they went to this math competition. 
And it was like me and Tim Lynch. <laughs> and I was like, what the F? Like, I, this is a total fluke. Cause it was like, I think it was part multiple choice and part actual, like, hit the solve the So problems. you just got lucky, you think? I totally got lucky. <laughs> so I, I rem- there's a picture of me somewhere wearing this stupid, like, math competition shirt with, like, Tim Lynch and some, some adult, I forget who. Some I had to go adult. to this stupid, yeah. <laughs> I had to go to some like math test thing on the weekend in this big like auditorium. And I was just like, I don't know any of this, like filling whatever I'm out of here. But <laughs> so funny. You represented funny? Crocker Riverside so well. I did. I did. I was you like, know, wow. I weirdly always scored higher on the math portions of standardized tests than on the like language arts, English ones. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I remember I scored really high on some like pattern recognition math test in seventh grade. No, not in seventh grade, in ninth grade. And Miss Lawrence, our math teacher, really wanted me to take computer science because it was like supposedly like a aptitude for coding test. Oh, and she was like, you can't waste your potential and we need more women in computer science. And I was like, I hate computers. I'm not going to do yeah. this. But you no. are really into Super Mario Puzzle Land. Whatever Super it's Mario called. World, Super the Mario World for the Apple iPhone. It's okay, yes, Emily. It's basically Candy Crush, but skinned I know. as she okay. tried to get Matt and I to play once, and we were like, "No, that's okay." It's so good. I still only play two dots. <laughs> send me a friend request if you're on Super Mario World, listeners. I oh mean, that's God. basically computer science decoding stuff. No coding stuff. <laughs> so 100%. Yeah, it's pretty pretty much the same. You could yeah. be making a lot more money. Anyway, so I noticed that um, beginning of the book. I also noted that she, there were a lot more, um, I feel like this book was written much more casually. Like mm-hmm, it seemed mm-hmm. looser and faster than mm-hmm. Anna Martin books, um, which I think fits Claudia's voice yeah. and personality. I wrote in, in the first chapter, I wrote, good Claudia voice. Yeah. 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 Um, so I thought that was cool, but it, I think it's interesting how she was like, I put on my princess dye earrings, mm. which are like, they're like emerald, fake emeralds with like diamonds slash whatever, plastic rhinestones around them. Um, so I tried to do some research to see, I was like, well, if Ellen Wells like specifically was like, these are the famous princess dye emerald earrings, like I thought they would be like a thing. Did mm-hmm. not find anything too specific on it, but on Etsy there are like fake princess dye emerald earrings that are to this description. So they were oh, definitely a thing. But I'm wondering if she was like on the cover of People magazine or or something mm-hmm. like that, and mm-hmm. or like oh her wearing earrings. bad earrings, yeah. Wearing yeah. Or earrings, maybe yeah. there was some like cheap jewelry line that just made those like knockoff ones and marketed them as princess dye earrings or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. But it's it's funny picturing Claudia wearing those to school. Mm-hmm. A bit much, bit much. I like how she, she dresses them down off. with a like a t shirt dress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so good. Gotta go high low. So Love um, a high low. She also wears jellies. Mm-hmm. She does. Yeah, she wears jellies. Um, jellies were so uncomfortable. Yeah, I so I, I want to talk about any. them for a second. Okay, so you, Emily, you didn't wear them. Maybe the trend had passed. No, um, I think 
I don't know. I, I think that I knew people who had them. We just never had them. Hmm. But they were big when Emily was born. I mean, this oh, okay. book came right. out in 1991, yeah. early 91. Yeah. Like, yeah. I well, surely they, they made like- them for three-year-olds. I mean, if you want to ruin, if you want to ruin their feet for the rest of their lives, sure. But they were, you know, plastic shoes that you shoved your foot into that made your feet sweat a lot, which is probably why I always wore socks with them. (laughs) Oh, that's a look. Yeah. It's a full on look. Purple jellies, lavender socks. Yeah. Tops rolled down. Yeah. Wow. I remember, I remember I had like. They were like a purpley pink jellies that had like glitter in the plastic. Have I told you guys about what shoe I'm seeing everywhere in Brooklyn right now? Let no. me guess Cro- it's something from the 90s. Oh, Crocs. Crocs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Crocs are back big time here, too. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a trendsetter or anything, but I've, I've had Crocs for a long time. But I did not wear them for fashion. I wore them as gardening shoes. Yeah, they're great for, gardening shoes. Yeah. yeah. But now they're like pretty hip i guess yeah matt had a pair that he used to work in the yard years ago they threw away and we've been seeing them everywhere and he's like i should have kept mine they were orange i'm like "Mm, it's fine yeah and now they have those cute little charms you can put in the crock holes have you seen those yeah yeah those are cute um apparently jellies debuted at the 1982 world's fair and they cost about a dollar a pair at the time (laughs) oh (laughs) jeez Ah, plastic. It's weird. It's Where weird was that, that fair? It's on fire. This random website doesn't say. <laughs> well, while Esmond looks this up, has anyone ever done Op Talk? I love Op Talk. I was so excited to see Op Talk in this book. This is the first. I couldn't. I thought that maybe we saw it in an earlier book, but that was just Pig Latin in Jesse's Secret Language or in Mallory and the Trouble with Twins. No, I think there's something else there that's not just Pig Latin. Because the kids are trying to make up their own, but it's not OpTalk. I have used OpTalk babysitting at least 15 times um, as a thing to do to teach kids. Um, and I have taught my own kids, and I taught you when you were a kid, Emily. We used to talk OpTalk. I don't remember. Um, or rather, I should call you Imapalapyap and my other co-host, Inapnapi. Um, I love OpTalk. Love it. This is the thing in addition to snails. Esme has crazy eyes right now, everyone. <laughs> Talking about off talk. Isop Moppy, Hopasop, Cop Rapazop Yop, Iyapa Sop. Wait, what? Uh, I said Esme has crazy eyes oh. in off talk. <laughs> I can't even think that way. <laughs> Me neither. How do you do that? Well, I mean, they, uh, Jesse taught them. It's not hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, you... yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just slower than I would like think or speak. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Yeah. It's why I can't yeah. listen to books on tape. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. But th- this and snail, I have used the most from a thing that I learned from a babysitter's club book. It's this and snail. That's easily. so funny. Yeah. No, I didn't know that about OpTalk. Oh, yeah. Well, it's something new I learned about Esme. She likes OpTalk. Something else that was part of her personality since she was nine. (laughs) Yeah. Added to Swatch and Converse. Hey, this book didn't come out until I was 12. Okay, 12. Sorry, excuse me. Nine to 13. (laughs) The Swatch I got when I was eight. 
<laughs> okay, eight to thirteen. Uh, <laughs> All right, so this this book a little thin and a little thin, but I did want to talk about. So I feel like, as you said, perms were brought up a lot. Neither one of us had perms. Emily, have you ever had a perm? No, but did Michelle? Yes, definitely oh, yeah. had a perm. Yeah, for sure. It's actually when they they mentioned like a blonde perm. I was like, oh, that's like Michelle. Yeah. But they talk about how when Claudia is in the bathroom and she's spying on them, Susan pulls out a tiny can of hairspray and touches up her perfect perm. So it got me thinking about like our hairstyles at at that time and also mm-hmm. hair products. Mm-hmm. And I don't really use hair products anymore. And I feel like, you know, if you have curly hair, I feel like you have to use hair products, like perms mm-hmm. and stuff. But I do remember using hairspray. Did you ever use hairspray as me? We both had like the little like exactly. low level side bang <laughs> okay. Corona yeah, going like, on. And what the hell was that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think we went to school with a lot of Chicano girls who did it right. And then we had like the low level white and Japanese version. (laughs) And we had like a part of our bangs that was a little bit longer than our Mm -hmm. main bang. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was a a look. It was a mood. It was like a little sculpture on our head. I used to straighten my already straight, naturally straight hair. (laughs) What? I had a straightener and I would straighten my hair. It's straight, naturally. Why? Yeah. Why? What? To what end? I don't know. Make it straighter. <laughs> it was just like a the straight hair was very very in in the early aughts, mm-hmm. and so like everyone straightened their hair. I straight. I I straightened my hair also. My hair mm-hmm. is also straight. Yeah. Well, I would I like take a shower at night before bed, and then I'd wake up in the morning and straighten my hair and go to school. Wow. Commitment. Mm-hmm. Commitment. Um, but I was specifically thinking about the brand Rave. Mm-hmm. Remember oh. Rave hairspray? Sure. Yeah. So I started, you can, in fact, buy cans of Rave on eBay. I think I can mm. smell it right now. I know, right? <laughs> so you know how Just it had the numbers? It had like one through four on the front, and those were the hold levels. Mm-hmm. So... I'm, so I could not find what level one was. For some reason, it's just not on the internet. But levels two through four. So I'm gonna I'm gonna name them, and I'm gonna see if you guys can organize them from from weakest to strongest. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Great. Okay. Emily just did a face palm. <laughs> Go ahead. So I'm gonna be really got, bad at this game. <laughs> I mean, okay, we got ultra hold. Super hold and mega hold. Which one is list them from weak, weakest to strongest hold? Super, think, ultra, super mega is the weakest. Yeah. yeah. Wrong. Super is the weakest Wrong. for sure. Well, super is not the weakest. Super is the weakest, but then it okay, goes mega, mega ultra. ultra. Yeah. That was going to be my guess, but Emily went fast. Yeah. Because yeah. ultra is like the ultimate. Yeah. yeah, but I feel like mega, mega and ultra were could be interchangeable. Yeah, and I would think I think it'd be like medium strong strongest would be more clear perhaps. But okay, strong lastly, stronger strongest. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, lastly, I want to bring up Miss Frizzle. 
from the mm-hmm. Magic School Bus. I was too old to watch that show, but Emily, I'm assuming you watched it. Oh, I or loved read, it. Read the books. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you know who voiced her? I do not. I feel like we had Ooh, a lot of the books. I think I do. But we, I have really, really concrete memories of like three particular episodes so i don't know if we just like watched the same three episodes all the time or mm-hmm. if i watched a lot of them and for some reason <laughs> i'm that's what i think honestly or yeah. like there are three that just stuck in my brain for whatever reason but there's a couple that i have like really vivid memories of one is where the bus shrinks down and it gets swallowed um mm-hmm. and you like go through the whole you know mm-hmm. human body system and there's like some scares and potential threats but ultimately i, are, I think you must have had a tape because i think i remember that one really i think i remember yeah. watching it with you guys i mean that would make sense we didn't have like all the tv when we were mm-hmm. that that young but i don't know who voiced her though lily tomlin yes lily tomlin. whoa that's mm-hmm. cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> apparently it was also rebooted by netflix recently mm-hmm. but i haven't i haven't seen it no so that's all I got. There's a lot of um, candy in this book, though. Yeah, I was just oh, going to yeah, ask. It was a Claudia book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes up for Super Special Five. So what 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 you got? I got uh, Doritos. Well, three kinds of chips: Doritos, Fritos, and Cheetos. Mm, yeah, all the good O's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I like My, all those. I approve. Can you rank them? I would mm. say Cheetos first. Cheetos, Doritos, Doritos. Fritos. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I would do, too. Oh, see, I think Fritos is on top for me. They're really salty and really oily. No, they're not cheesy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, but I like that they're really good, though. I think I, I haven't had a Frito in forever, but I really want one right now. I would say Fritos, Cheetos, Doritos, unless it's Cool Ranch, and then the Doritos go on top. Interesting. So I will say that after you guys texted back and forth about Cool Ranch, I was at a gas station, and I bought a bag of Cool Ranch. How good are they? And? They're good, but I do think I prefer nacho cheese. Wow. I mean, I'll eat both. I'm not going to, like, kick a Dorito out of bed, you know? Kick a Dorito out of bed. Can you imagine if there were, like, like there's a Dorito in bed with you, and it's not Cool Ranch? You're like, mm, you can stay there. That's okay. <laughs> I guess. It's fine. <laughs> you have a you, you have a one night stand with a nacho cheese Dorito still there in the morning. All right, what I mean, are the still there in the morning? That's different. <laughs> <laughs> uh we got MMs, Twinkies, Milk Duds, Oreos, Mellow Mars, and then of course Stacy and Don get whole wheat crackers. Oh man, that is a good. That's the best list we've had in a while. I think long it time. is. It's pretty good. I feel like this is. These are like the premium snacks. Yeah, I feel. yeah. Ellen Miles delivered on the snacks and the outfits. Yeah, yeah. A plus um, on both of those. Yeah, no lifesavers. Fuck those. Yeah, fuck the lifesavers. Yeah. No root beer barrels. No white chocolate. <laughs> All right, Tally is pretty classic. This is the first time, however, that Claudia does refer to herself as having almond, almond shaped, shaped eyes. eyes. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So this is the only Claudia book so far to give us a classic uh, exotified Claudia signifier. You know what? So Next time we we record, I'm going to be prepared in, with a couple almonds. Mm-hmm. And I will hold them so, up to my eye just to see if they were really okay. almond shaped. And then Emily and I should bring some walnuts like Kate Schott suggested. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just okay. some saucers or something. <laughs> 
Okay. Um, at one sensitive, one shy, and one sophisticated. So not not a ton in this book. What about weirdest lines? Did you guys have a favorite? I had a few. I had three. Mm-hmm. So um, I liked when uh, it was a Claire who asked Stacy to put on the thirst aid cream. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which I thought was funny, but could also sound like a little bit sexual, maybe. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I, that's the one I marked as well. <laughs> that's good. Um, and then I thought it was funny when Claude was describing Dawn in chapter two. She said, they don't come any blonder which I thought was really funny. <laughs> and then the last one is just um, Christy and Claudia both saying, poor, poor Shauna. Once Shauna got caught, like their schadenfreude, I thought was amusing. But I thought we were supposed to read that as like deep sarcasm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Which I also thought was funny because I'm like, do they do, they don't really do sarcasm ordinarily. Not a ton. No. Yeah. Yeah. I like poor, poor Shauna. What about you, Anne? Um, I had um, Norcon like eyeballs. Oh right! Oh yes. <laughs> Who was that? Who was Nikki? Being an alien? Nikki. Nikki was acting like a movie monster. Yeah, the yeah. girls were peeling grapes and feeding them yeah. to him. Right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I really, I kind of like Norcon like eyeballs. We can go with Norcon like eyeballs. Cool. Excellent. Right. Let's do it. Um, so pizza toast. Who should we or what should we pizza toast to? I don't know. This book got me feeling all sentimental about sister relationships, you know? Yeah. Have we, have we done a pizza toast to Janine? Not for yeah. a long time, if we have. Or like to, to, to cute sister shit. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Pizza toast to Janine slash cute sister ship. To Janine. toast to cute sisters and Janine. cute sisters. <laughs> this episode of Stuck in Stony Brook is now adjourned. Thank you to Anna Martin for everything. Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Emily Crandall. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kit. You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both the local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org slash shop slash stuck in Stony Brook. Lastly, if you're feeling doubly generous and you want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be super helpful. You're the best friend the girl could ask for.